What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast. My name is Omar Zini, and I'm going to be your host as usual. Uh, so today, I'm going to be answering the question, how do I prepare to play in front of college scouts and professional coaches? And you guys, when I'm going to answer this question, I'm going to do my best to give you guys a player's perspective as well as a coach's perspective. Obviously, growing up, I've been through multiple trials, multiple ID camps, college showcases, professional trials. So I have an idea of you know, the feelings and emotions you have leading up to the trial and during the trial. So I'll speak a little bit about that. Now that I'm also coaching, I have a little bit of an experience of recruitment. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of insight as to what coaches are looking for and the expectation from coaches when they watch you at trials or at uh, college showcases. Now, this episode is going to be broken down into three different segments. The first is what to do and what to avoid in the week of preparation leading up to your trial. This will help create some context for you guys as we build into segment two. Segment two is going to be where I discuss what you should and shouldn't be doing during the trial. This is going to include tips on your decision making and what coaches are looking for and what they're not looking for as they watch you play. And lastly, I wanted to share with you guys two stories from my own playing career that will kind of shed some light as to why I chose this topic and why I feel so close to this topic. This topic is really important to me because I've been the beneficiary of being able to experience the good and the bad when it comes to trials. And as you guys will hear in the stories, you know, I was very fortunate that the one trial that I didn't do so well in didn't end my college recruitment. It was more so using that experience to bounce back and really have that mental fortitude to understand that the habits that I had created throughout my entire life and my playing career just weren't acceptable and that to really play at the next level, I needed to change a few things up. So again, as you guys listen to this episode, remember that everything that I'm saying may not work specifically for you, but at the same time, I would want you guys to finish the episode and really take a good look at yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and just say, hey, am I really doing everything that I possibly can to be okay with the results that I get? And if your answer is yes, then so be it. But my answer was always no, and I always knew I could be doing more. So hopefully this episode inspires you to do that. So guys, without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, guys. So the first and by far the easiest tip is to make sure that you guys contact the coach or coaches you know are going to be at the trial beforehand. Um, whether you're a known recruit or somebody who's new to the coaches, it's really important to first and foremost build a friendship with these coaches. Um, whether they help you in the short term and they you know provide you a scholarship or they bring you in as a walk-on, or in the long term, which means, hey, I may not be using you and you may not be on my list of players I want to recruit, but because I've had a few interactions with you that have been pleasant, I will pass on your name to other coaches that I know need a goalkeeper. And I know a few friends of mine who were field players who weren't supposed to end up at Davis, but one of the coaches that they had been talking to last minute said, hey, we're not going to need you, but UC Davis, you know, I know the coach there. I'll pass your information to him and see how that goes. So it's really important to build a rapport with the coaches. And from a coach's perspective, we personally love having players reach out to us or come up to us after a game and say, hey, my name is Omar Zini. I want to introduce myself. Uh, I'm a junior transfer or I'm going to be, you know, a senior at this high school. And just that exchange of a handshake or just an introduction is really important because 
It uh, shows me that you're responsible and somebody who takes the initiative and has the kind of incentive to go out there and introduce themselves and kind of market themselves to other coaches. And I'll tell you guys a quick story. One time I was in college, or one time I was in college and I finished the test. I had never really gone to that class, but I finished the test and I did not think I was going to do very well in the final. I gave it to the professor and I said, hey, professor, just curious, are you going to be curving the test? And she said, yeah, we're probably going to be curving the test, but um, I've never seen you before, so I don't even know your name. And it's going to be very tough for me because I don't know you to curve your test. Um, But hey, have a great summer. And to this day, I always remember that because it's that out of sight, out of mind quote. Because if you're not somebody that's, you know, doing face-to-face recognition or going out there and introducing yourself, it's going to be very hard for people to remember you. And that goes extremely well with recruitment. If I've never seen you, you've never gone to an ID camp, or you've never sent me an email or footage, it's going to be very hard for me to have any feeling or an investment into you. So something as simple as reaching out to us or introducing yourself after one of our games or at the ID camp goes a long way. And I personally know a lot of coaches who may not actually even recruit you, but they know uh, somebody or another coach that may need a goalkeeper and they'll say, Hey, by the way, Omar, you know, I have this goalkeeper that I was going to recruit. Didn't work out. I know you guys are in need of one. Definitely check them out. Here's their footage. Good kid, very responsible. Check them out. And I know a lot of my field player teammates at Davis weren't firstly recruited by Davis, but because they were good kids and because other coaches vouched for them, our head coach took a chance on them and they became my teammates. So don't just think about the short-term investment on how it can help you in the trial, but at the same time, think about the long-term investment of how this can go a long way in helping your recruitment overall. And if anything, it just means that you're checking every box and you're trying as hard as you can to make sure that no stone goes unturned. All right, guys, so now on to the second tip. And this one should come as no surprise if you've listened to previous episodes, but it's all about your preparation. And when it comes to preparation, there are two types of preparation. It's the micro preparation and the macro preparation. The macro preparation is what you do in the preseason and before season even starts. So that means taking care of your body, hitting the gym so you can have injury prevention throughout the year, eating right, and really building that structure so that when you're in the micro, which is the week-to-week preparation, you have something to fall back on and you have a foundation that will keep you steady. And for me personally, again, guys, I didn't have much of a strong foundation. I got by off of those preseason workouts that the coaches would put us through. And so I would hit my peak in the middle of the season because that's when I'd be in the best of shape. But towards the end of the year, I started to crash. Injuries started to happen. My body just didn't feel fresh anymore. And that really affected my mind and my game. So it comes as no surprise for you guys. But going into these trials, because they were in the middle of the season or uh, the showcases that I would be trying out for, yeah, in the middle of the season, I was going through a lot of fatigue and not just physical fatigue, but mental fatigue. And so I was really trying to force more stuff onto my plate just so that I would feel ready for these trials. And it's just like if you're in school and you're cramming for a test. Again, I'll tell you a story from my college days. I remember vividly on a Wednesday, my buddy texted me saying, what's up, Omar? Uh, i meet you at the uh, library today so we can study for the midterm on Friday. And I remember texting him back, okay, that's pretty funny, dude, but uh, there's no midterm on Friday. He's like, Omar, you wouldn't know. You haven't been to class for two weeks, but we have class on Friday and it's a midterm. So I'll see you at the library. And I remember I was like, damn, I got two days to cram all this information into my head. And again, that's the micro preparation, but I didn't have the macro preparation instilled or 
as a foundation for me to, you know, fall back on. Had I gone to class, had I done all the little things, the homeworks, all that stuff, I would have at least had some prior knowledge of what was going to be on the test. So I wouldn't have freaked out as much. But because I didn't know what was going to be on the test and I had never gone to class, that test on Friday really took a lot out of me because I tried to cram too much. And if you cram too much into your head, you're not going to feel good and you're going to forget a lot of stuff. And that's the reason why I wanted to use this analogy to explain what can happen in the days leading up to a trial if your macro and micro preparation are not up to par. And to avoid all this, just making sure that you take care of the little habits and are disciplined early so that you're not reactive but rather proactive and you have things already set up so that from week to week, all you have to add is a few things instead of trying to add all these new techniques. So for example, if you feel insecure about your side volley and all of a sudden you want to start training it, now instead of doing 10 reps, now you're doing 40 and 50 reps and that becomes the focal point and now that can easily diminish your confidence if you're not accurate. And again, how can you be accurate with it if you haven't trained it? So that's going to lead me into my next point, guys, and it's the one thing that I would tell you guys to avoid prior to a trial and that is overtraining. And overtraining, again, stems from that insecurity that you haven't done enough prior to the trial. And now you're trying to make up for all that lost time and all that lost training and try and fit it in and cram it into these next few days. And the reason why I'm so adamant on this being something you guys avoid is because I personally went through this. And I kind of want to share that story so I can shed some light for you guys and help you understand why I feel so connected to this topic and really why I chose this topic to answer it in this episode. And so to paint a picture for you guys, I was 16 years old, a junior in high school, and I was being recruited by some of the top programs like Berkeley, Stanford, New Mexico, and UCLA. And this was just around the time that I had just joined the LA Galaxy Academy. So, you know, my profile as a top goalkeeper in Southern California began to grow. So as my profile began to grow, again, more high stakes. And at the same time, too, it's a high reward as well. If you do well in front of these coaches, you may get a scholarship to not only a good school, but at the same time, one of the top programs uh, for soccer in the country. So I had reached out to these coaches and I said, hey, I'm going to be playing at this field in Lancaster for the uh, fall showcase of the Development Academy. And they said, yep, we'll be there. And when I got the yes from all five of those programs, my mind kind of went into a panic state and I started realizing, oh crap, okay, I have five days and if I do this, this, and this, I'll be ready. And that formula and that equation had worked wonders for me over the years. Like I said in the previous podcast, if I felt like I was out of shape or I felt like I had eaten more than I had worked out, I was going to go on a little bit of a jog to sweat it out and then even things out. So I used that formula for this and I was praying to God that it would work. So five days out, I said, okay, what are a few things that I haven't been doing that I should be doing? Okay, let's go to the gym. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's eat better. Great. Let's do it. Let's go to training and let's work on the side volley. Let's work on the front dive. Let's work on things that I don't really focus on enough. So I started doing all of those. It was Monday. The showcase game was on the Sunday. So on Monday, I went to the gym in the morning before school, got back home, had a protein shake. Then I got my salad from Trader Joe's, had that ready to go for lunch. And then after lunch, I came home, I did some foam roll stretches, stretched out my body. And then from there, I went to training. And I would tell my coach that, hey, coach, I want to work on the side volley. I want to work on more front dives. I want to work on close range shots and extension saves. And credit to him, he was like, hey, whatever makes you feel ready, great. But, you know, we haven't really worked on the side volley very much. We haven't really done 
too much attention to the front dive because it's just kind of naturally embedded into certain drills and it happens naturally. But if you really want to focus on those things, we can. So he would hit me probably like, you know, 30 balls in the warm up on a front scoop. And his service was good, but there were some balls that would vary. And because I was so particular of how I wanted to train it, I would not scoop my body over or shuffle my body over. I began just just to reach. And that created this like lack of confidence in my front dive. So I kept that in the back of my mind. I said, okay, we'll work on that later. No big deal. But in hindsight, I probably should have continued to work on it until I ironed it out. But that's what can happen when you're cramming things and trying to instill new habits into you with three or four days left and not much time to actually iron that stuff out. So I did that and then I wanted to do more, you know, catch off across and then lead a counterattack on a side volley. And my side volley when I was 16 is nothing like it is now when I'm 26. 10 years later, I mean, I've been doing a side volley pretty much every single day whenever I'm out in the field for about 10 years because of this situation. And we would do some, you know, uh, catching off the cross. I would run up to my 18 and I wanted to do some side volleys down the field, but I just kept shanking the ball. I kept miss hitting it. And again, I didn't have the mental like capacity to understand, hey, just keep doing it until you get it. So I did about 10 to 15 of them. And then the coach was like, hey, let's stop doing that. You're not very good at it. I don't want you to, you know, gain any bad habits. Like, let's stop doing that. So I said, yeah, okay, probably a good idea. But again, in hindsight, I probably should have ironed it out because it shook my confidence and it made me feel not inadequate, but just made me feel like I wasn't doing it to completion. So again, those two things became focal points, but I didn't really iron them out. So the confidence was shaken. And then the next thing I really wanted to do was to kind of show my teammates that I was ready for this challenge and that, hey, you guys you guys don't know this, but I have college coaches coming out to watch me. So I need you guys to play well. And at the same time, too, I want you to know that I'm going to play well. So in training, I started getting into situations where I would force a situation. I started coming out for balls that I shouldn't be coming out for just to kind of prove a point. I started getting back passes, and instead of clearing them out in a one-touch clearance, I started taking two-touch, three-touch. And on a few occasions, the forward would come in and get deflection. And luckily, in training, I never paid for it because it went out for a uh, corner kick. Or excuse me, not a corner kick, like a goal kick. So I never had to worry about the repercussions of that. But I was instilling all these bad habits because I was trying to do too much. And it was because of a lack of preparation in the macro. So come the weekend, a lot of these bad habits that I essentially had already, but I really, really magnified them. And so I get to the trial on Sunday and I see all these coaches sitting down. They're getting their you know chairs opened up. They're all wearing their polos from their schools, saying hi to each other because I guess they all know each other. I'm still a little bit nervous because now I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of things that you know I tried and it didn't really work out, but what if I do that in a game? Do you think it's going to work? And it's that you know constant battle with the voices in your head of like, try something and maybe it works or don't try anything, stick to your game plan because you don't want to mess up. And so I had this constant battle, especially in the warmups to try some more stuff just to see if I, if I had it in me on the day. And again, guys, those habits and those little things that you work on in training They come to the forefront in your game. It's like what you train is how you play. So that training of kind of showing off to my teammates and, you know, expressing this confidence to them, I started to express that to the coaches. And normally I'm really talkative and somebody who is, you know, cracking jokes. 
So this time I said, hey, that's probably not the move this time around because it may look unprofessional. And I don't know if the coaches want to see that. So I completely ignored my teammates and I went straight to the warm up and I started doing like very robotic movements. And like when I think back on it now, it's just very foolish and again, very naive of me to think that that is what the coaches were looking for. Somebody who is doing the proper stretch or walking with their chest pumped up or puffed out or with a straight back and, you know, uh, good posture. So I kept thinking that these were the things that the coaches were looking for. And I remember going through the warm-up and I told the coach, hey, you know, I know the warm-up that we have, but I really want to work on those front dives and the side volleys. So can we please add that into the warm-up? And of course, the coach was, you know, very abiding as he understood that, you know, what the goalkeeper wants to do before a game, that'll help them with their confidence. So if he said no, it would kind of be counterintuitive. So he was very responsive and said, yeah, sure, we'll work on that. So we did all that stuff. And even in the warm-up, he kind of came up to me and was like, hey, you know, are you okay? I know the coaches are here to watch you. Don't be too nervous. Just make sure you keep your head straight and, you know, play what the game gives you. That's all he used to always say is like, the game is very easy, Omar. Just play what the game gives you and what you see. And from there, you'll be successful. And I wish, again, in hindsight, I would have taken his advice, but there's just so many regrets I had from this day. And in this game, there were actually three plays that I'll never forget that really kind of solidified what can happen if you try and cram too much and your macro preparation is not where it needs to be and your micro performances will be affected by it. The first play, they hit a long ball over the top and it was a ball that was going to fall right on top of the 18. And if you're watching it on film or just somebody on the outskirts on the side of the field and you see me calling for that ball, you're probably like, this guy's crazy. And I remember I yelled keeper and I started running out. My, my initial instinct actually told me don't run because if I start to run, I know I'm not going to get there. So I told myself don't do it. But I said, screw it, man. I got to show these coaches what I'm about. I got to show them that I have the confidence to command more than my six. So I yell keeper and I see my defender from the corner of his eye kind of like, is this, guy really, is this guy really serious right now? Like I'm clearly going to win this header and he's going to look like an idiot. They hit the ball in, he wins the ball on top of the 18, and I'm like sprinting right behind him, ready to punch the ball. He heads it away, and right away, I'm scrambling back to my six, trying to make sure that I don't get chipped by anybody, or they take a one-time shot, and I get embarrassed. Luckily, my defender cleared it far enough where it was out of danger, and I didn't have to worry about that, but right there, that's one you know strike off of Omar Zini if you're a coach. The second instance was a free kick. And now this free kick was an in-swinging free kick, but it was going to the far post and it was above head height. It was probably like 10 feet in the air and everybody knew that the ball was going to go out of bounds. But as I was tracking it across, I said, hey, like if I can do something with this, why not do something with this? And I started tracking it and I got to it and I tipped it out of bounds for a corner kick. And if you were just a regular bystander and somebody walking by and you saw a goalkeeper doing that, you'd probably be shaking your head and again saying, what in the world was he thinking? Even I know that that was not a good play. And you can only imagine what a Division I college coach who recruits goalkeepers every single week is probably thinking at this point. And I remember tipping it out of bounds and being on the ground, getting up, looking at my parents who were sitting on the sideline where I had fallen, and my mom mouthing to me like, Omar, get it together. Get it together. And so that was kind of the precursor into just like this moment where it was just so obvious that I was trying to do too much. And 
I'm sure these coaches, when they were looking at my profile or like really, you know, reaching out to their sources saying, really, you told me to come see this guy? They hit a shot from about 30 yards out. It's falling right in my bubble. And as we all know, the bubble is in our reach. So it can easily be a little shuffle. You either catch it, you knock it down, or it's turned into a little collapse dive. But I chose neither of those and instead decided to sweep my own legs, which is if somebody, you know, had a rope around my feet, swept my feet and punched the ball away and made the, you know, most dramatic save that you can possibly imagine. If that was actually posted on Instagram today, there'd be a lot of hate mail, a lot of DMs at me saying, okay, what are you, who are you trying to impress, dude? And so I pushed it away. And granted, if we're going to take any positives from this story, that parry was a great parry. It went out to my parents who were on the sideline. It was above head height. It went far and wide. And that was, again, a great parry. But it was just so unnecessary that my teammates and even at halftime, my goalkeeper coach was like, okay, Omar, hey, we know you're nervous, um, but it's showing. So let's try and, you know, play what the game gives you. And like you always said, it's an easy game. Make it easier on yourself. And so, you know, a regular person probably would have done that. But for me, because I was trying to do too much, I went into the second half with the same mentality. And you guys, you guys may think that this game was a close game. But at halftime, we were up three to zero. And the only shots and instances that I actually got any action were because of my mistakes. Second half, we go up 5-0. It's pretty much over. And, you know, it's one of those situations where those three mistakes or those three kind of like questionable mistakes at the beginning for me, I could easily email the coaches and just say, hey, I'm sorry that I, you know, didn't look my best. I was a little nervous. I'd love to come to an ID camp. And, you know, I'd still have a good rapport with them. But then this happened. They had a guy who, you know, the ball bounced right there, perfect to him in the middle of the field. He took a touch, and from half field, I realized he was about to shoot, puts his head down, and I realize I'm about 25 yards out. I start sprinting back to my goal. He shoots it, and I run back. I try to tip the ball over. It hits the crossbar, hits me, and it goes in. I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe that this just happened. And I pick the ball up, roll it to the middle of the field, and, you know, add insult to injury. By the time I did all that, the coaches had picked up their stuff. They left. And I had never heard from the coaches after that ever again. None of those schools. And especially New Mexico, who was, you know, emailing me every single week. And they, we had a mutual friend. The head coach and I had a mutual uh, family friend. And they kept telling me that he wants me to go there. He wants me to go there. Just sign the paperwork. You're good to go. They never called me after that. And again, I don't blame them. But it was hard for me to take at 16 when somebody wants you and they're telling you how much they want you and they're going to give you a scholarship, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, no phone calls, no one's responding to my emails, no one's responding to my phone calls, nothing. And that was the rude awakening that I didn't think I needed, but I realized that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And again, guys, that's the reason why I wanted to tell you this story is because a lot of good can happen from bad situations. It's all about how you internalize it and then act on it. You guys, no one is going to do you any favors in life. If you want something, you have to go out and get it. Put the hard work in. Get that macro preparation so that you have the proper habits instilled on you from day one. So you don't have to go from week to week trying to add different pieces to your game because you already have that structure and that foundation set in place. That discipline and maturity will set you above a lot of other goalkeepers at your age because a lot of people don't have the guidance or the people giving them the proper advice 
to kind of get ahead of that situation before they even get to college. Because once you get to college, you're going to be a freshman and you're going to be repeating that same cycle you did as a freshman in high school. You're going to be playing against players who have much more developed bodies. And as college coaches, they're much less forgiving when it comes to that situation. They're looking for you to come in from day one and actually be able to make an impact. So start now because I promise you it's going to pay off in the future and it'll help you prolong your career either as a college athlete or a professional athlete as well. And that'll take me into my next segment, what to do and what to avoid during a trial. I'll give you guys a perspective from a coach as well as from a goalkeeper so you guys can kind of see from both spectrums what each should be expecting throughout the trial. And lastly, I want to share with you guys the story of how everything kind of came full circle for me and how I was able to kind of internalize the failure of not getting the phone calls back from these coaches and kind of having them drop me after one game. And I was able to believe in myself and go out to a different trial and just keep on knocking on different doors and finally able to get a scholarship from a Division One school, UC Davis. Days pass, day pass, outlast, sweet last, forever now. Everlast like I'm boxing now. Smoke in the air cause I'm blowing out. Alright guys, so now that we've covered what to do and what not to do in the days leading up to your trial, I want to cover what to do and what not to do on the day of the trial as well as while you're actually playing in the trial. And the first tip I have for you guys is before the trial. And this is one that is still so underrated but yet so simple and a lot of people just gloss over. And that is, go walk up to the coach and the school that you want to go to, shake the coach's hand, look them in the eye, introduce yourself, and just smile. Honestly, guys, it's so simple, but it's so effective. Again, I want to reiterate that it introduces you, obviously, gets the coaches to know who you are, gets that facial recognition, but also shows that you're mature, responsible, and that you've taken the initiative that you want to get to know the coach and get them to understand that you're serious about going to their school. And the next level to that would be making sure you do your research on the school as well. You would say something like, hey coach, my name is Omar Zini. Uh, I sent you an email a few days ago. I'm not sure if you got it yet. Has my video attached to it. But also I noticed that you have a graduating senior next year as well as a redshirt junior. I'm not sure if you guys are in need of a goalkeeper, but if you are, I would love to be that option for you guys. I visited the school or I know a little bit about, you know, for me, UC Davis. And I feel like that would be a great fit. And if you like the way I play, I'll exchange an email with you and hopefully, you know, we can touch base later this week. And again, guys, it's a little bit difficult because we may not have the capacity at that young of an age to kind of act as if we're our own agents, but that's what's necessary when you don't have someone speaking on your behalf. You have to do it yourself. And I remember that quote that I mentioned earlier, that out of sight, out of mind. If you don't have that face-to-face recognition, it's very difficult unless you're like this five-star recruit for the coach to remember you. So remember, there's a lot of spots on a team, and if a coach knows who you are, they'll probably give you a good chance of, if you do well, I might give you a chance either to have a walk-on spot or give you a spot that's non-scholarship. And again, if they don't do that and they like your personality, they think you're a good kid, they may just pass your information on to another coach because they've had a pleasant experience with you. Next is your in-game communication. And again, guys, before you even start communicating in the game, it's important to introduce yourself to your teammates and absolutely no questions asked. You have to learn the names of your back four. This is going to go a long way in how direct your communication is, as well as what kind of a presence you have back there. 
And every coach is different, but I personally like to have a general back there, someone with personality and someone who's going to be a coach and is willing to organize that back four and even back six. That communication and how you are as a leader is one of those intangible qualities that I personally really look for. And remember, guys, these players are also on trial and looking to impress the coaches. So your job is to make it easier for them. And in return, they'll make your job easier as well. And guys, with all that being said, here are the few things you should avoid with your communication. These are the two things that I personally dislike and I know a lot of other coaches do not like as well. The first is when you scream, hey, left back or hey, number four, check your shoulder. To me, guys, that just shows that you were not responsible enough or didn't feel like you needed the incentive to get to know your back line. And to me, it just comes off as lazy and someone that couldn't come in from day one and start. Remember, I need that personality from you. I need you to feel like you're a general back there who knows everybody's names and that you can command everyone. I don't want to have someone who's hesitant or someone who doesn't want to speak up when the situation calls for it. It's important that you learn the back four so at least you have some communication with them so they can make your job easier and it looks good for the coach as well. Next would be that I don't want to hear pointless yelling or pouting. You know, I'm okay with you being animated and that you love to compete. That's totally fine. But just as important as it is to communicate, you must also be calculated in how you communicate that message. You know, the goalkeepers I look for are the ones that have the awareness and the ability to pick and choose the right moments to deliver their messages. To me, that shows that they're a leader and someone that can garner the respect of their teammates. And it goes a long way in giving me, as well as the head coach, peace of mind that, hey, if we concede two goals in the first five minutes, we can rely on this guy to pick us back up instead of pouting and crying about things and yelling for no reason. So remember those two, okay? Learn your back four's name. At the same time, don't start yelling and pouting because we want someone out there who's going to uplift the team, not dig us into a deeper hole. All right, guys, and that brings me to my final point. And this tip is kind of a 50-50 because it could lean into what to do and what to avoid in a trial. So I want to explain why it's hard for me to kind of define which category it falls into. And the reason why it's 50-50 is because when I say don't chase the game, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try something new. But what I am saying is that it should be a low-risk, high-reward situation. Don't do anything that's not calculated. Like, for example, if you're not good at a side volley and it's the 90th minute, your team is up 1-0 and you're saying, hey, maybe I want to hit this guy on a counterattack, maybe lead us up to 2-0, that's a high risk and it could be a high reward. But if you're not well-versed and you don't have that technique down, you're going to do a lot more harm to your own profile and in turn, you're going to do a lot of harm to your team as well. That's what I mean by calculated risk. If I see that as a coach, I go, okay, the awareness isn't there as well as the technique. So that is a red flag for me and it's a reminder. I put that in my notes and it's not good for your profile. So play to your strengths, play what the game gives you. And like you guys probably see on TV, like Buffon, there's a reason why he's been playing for so long. Obviously, he has the technique. He has all that stuff. He can catch everything in the bubble, doesn't drop balls, doesn't give up rebounds. But what he also does is that he keeps it very simple. He doesn't try anything that's out of the ordinary, doesn't try anything that he's not well-versed in or very good at. And what does that do? It gives coaches peace of mind. There's a reason why he's able to go from Juve to PSG back to Juve, because these teams are willing to take a chance on somebody who is experienced and understands when to take risks and when to just kick the ball up the field and live to see another day. 
what ends up happening sometimes is that we have this mentality and we have this short fuse that we think, hey, if we don't do this in this short period of time, this coach will never be able to see me at my best. When in reality, most coaches and especially myself included, or actually I'll speak for myself here, I look for a goalkeeper that keeps it simple, makes the saves that they're supposed to make, and again, gives me that peace of mind. I love a goalkeeper who can play with their feet. I love a goalkeeper who can hit a side volley. I love a goalkeeper who can actually read the game, have very good spatial awareness, come off their line, and be that sweeper keeper. I love all that stuff, but at the same time too, I love a goalkeeper who can see the situation process it and see if that's something that they actually want to attack or pull out of their toolbox to use. Having those things in your toolbox is great, but not knowing when to use them, that is just, it's insignificant now. It doesn't even work. So make sure that if you're going to have that chasing of the game or you're going to be somebody that tries something new, make sure that you know exactly the context of the game and when to and when not to use it. So with that being said, guys, I wanted to finish off this episode by bringing this all full circle and telling you guys about the successful ID camp that I had at UC Davis, where seven days after the ID camp, I got a call from the head coach and he said, hey, we want to offer you a scholarship to come to Davis. So again, guys, you know, I was 16 years old playing in front of all these coaches who I was excited to be playing in front of. They told me they wanted me to come to their schools and you know how it is, you know, any high profile thing happens to you, you're going off bragging to your friends, letting them know that, hey, I may be going to UCLA and you start making these little jokes and all that stuff. And then your confidence hits an all time high. And for me, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way how some bad habits can you know, really hinder your ability to make the best out of your situation. So again, these coaches don't call me back. I'm emailing them, no responses. And the worst of it all was that New Mexico, again, I had been contacting them every single day and they knew I was going to be there and they came to see me. Other coaches, I'm sure they went to go see other, other players, but the New Mexico coach came to see me and I just completely disappointed them. So no calls, nothing. And then for the next year, you know, I was trying to get to uh, UC Irvine and I remember even going on an official visit sat down with a coach and he literally looked at me in my face and he said, Omar, look, you know, we like you, but you just, you're too nice. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, yeah, you're just too nice of a guy. We just don't think that on the field, you'd be much of a presence. So, you know, we're probably going to not go with you, but we're going to keep our options open. And I honestly couldn't believe that this guy was like verbatim looking at me and, you know, telling me this. And even with him saying this, probably like a month later, I was just so desperate to sign with the team or go to a college just because all my other options had been exhausted that I emailed their goalkeeper coach and I said, hey, like I'll come for free. Um, all I need is to be admitted. My, my grades are fine. Just get me admitted, get me enrolled. And from there, I'll come for free and I'll play for free. And they still denied it. They said, no, nah, we're good. Like we're, we're looking elsewhere. So again, guys, you know, I kept getting hit after hit after hit. And my confidence was so low that I didn't even know what to do after that. I said, okay, well, I guess, you know, community college, we'll see what happens. But luckily for me, one of my best friends, Craig, he didn't end up going to Davis, but he was supposed to go to Davis and the coaches wanted him to go to an ID camp and said, hey, we just want to, you know, see you one last time just before we make our decision. And he said, hey, you know, guys, I actually have a you know good goalkeeper friend of mine. He's a place for the Galaxy Academy, hasn't signed, you know, I'll bring him with me as well. And I said, yeah, for sure. Go ahead and bring him. 
So he calls me and he tells me all about his plan that we're going to go to school together and, you know, we're going to be going to Davis and all that stuff. And I said, dude, you know, I don't really know if I want to, to go, honestly, man. I'm just, my confidence is super low. I don't really want to be denied again. And, you know, he just kept convincing me. He said, dude, we got to do this. We got to do this. So I finally caved in. I said, okay, let's do it. And again, like there's so many memories from this, but I remember sitting in a hotel, uh, a hotel parking lot and my mom and I just sat in the car and she was just like, how do you feel? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing okay. And you know, she has the full context of mentally where I'm at and how you know low I'm feeling about my abilities and all that stuff. And she sits in the car and she, we start doing this little prayer and she's just like, you know, God, if this is a situation for Omar, please, please like help him feel comfortable today and help him play well. And we just did a little prayer and she's like, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm really hoping that you go out there like, Omar, you had nothing to prove. Like you're a great goalkeeper. Just go out there and have fun. Just do you. And I remember I was like, well, you know, I wasn't even supposed to come to this trial. So why would I even, why am I stressing so much? Like, why don't I just go out there, have a good time, just show what I'm capable of because I know what I'm capable of. Just go out there and have fun. So, you know, we pull up to the camp. My buddy's there. You know, at least I know somebody, but um, meeting the, everybody, meeting the head coach, you know, shake the hands of the goalkeeper coach. And then all the goalkeepers get pulled off to the side. And the goalkeeper coach says, all right, guys, I need Omar Zini front and center. And so I'm like, okay, what's going on here? He's like, you're going to be working with me today. So I guess he had heard from my friend who had talked me up, but I was like, okay, this is awesome. Like I get actually get a chance to show myself, not just to the group, but to the goalkeeper coach directly. So again, I had that kind of, I have nothing to lose mentality. So I'm just going to play loose, play like myself. I go out there, we're doing warm-ups, and I'm doing pretty well. And then from there, he, the coach and I were bonding really well. His name's Jason. He and I are bonding really well. He's funny, and like we're cracking jokes back and forth. So it lightens up the mood. And then we play 11 v 11. I learned my back four, all their names. And I'm literally, I mean, I wish I didn't know them because I probably wouldn't have screamed as much, but I was like screaming these guys' heads off. And they liked that though. They liked my presence. They liked how I was back there and they get, I guess it gave them peace of mind. Whatever the case may be, it worked for them. And then after we finished the 11 v 11s, I went to the small sided games and I was verbal. I was making a lot of saves, a lot of good uh, 1v1s, a lot of good shot stopping. So again, guys, I was really, really loose. I didn't have a care in the world because I was like, okay, if I don't make it, whatever. Like it's, I'm back to where I was before. So I think honestly, now that I'm speaking about it and like, you know, reminiscing, I am so happy that I was able to go in there with like the weight off my shoulders and just go in there and play my game. Cause I think a lot of the times nerves, and again, like I said earlier, cramming all this preparation into one weekend and having it all pay off, it can be counterproductive and you can really play like a shell of yourself. So I was really fortunate enough to go in there, do what I needed to do. It's kind of like a business trip, do what I needed to do. I walked out of there and the goalkeeper coach gave me his number. Jason, I mean, I know Jason now, like we're really good friends. He's my coach for four years, but he gave me a piece of tape. It had his phone number on there and he said, give me a call. We're very interested in you. And I remember getting in the car and looking at my mom like, okay, I'm not going to get too excited ever again because of what happened with the scouts last showcase, but this looks like it could be a good opportunity. And I get in the car and, you know, I, I, we drive home and we're just, you know, so ecstatic. And then the head coach calls me seven days later and says, hey, Omar, we were really impressed with you. We really, you know, like the way you played and we feel like you'd be a great fit here at Davis. And he said, Omar, we can't offer you too much, but we want you to come to Davis and we want you to play here. 
And within, you know, seven days, I had committed to Davis. I went to the camp, didn't even really walk around the campus at all. But all of a sudden, now I went from being kind of a nobody with no confidence, having these teams not even want me, having a coach tell me to my face that I was too soft, telling me that my game wouldn't translate to the college game and that he needed somebody back there with a presence. You know, all the things that I was, and he was telling me that I wasn't. And again, I'm 16, 17 years old, and when somebody that old is telling you something like that, you kind of take it as truth. It's really hard to deny that. You're just kind of like, okay, I, I, I don't think I'm like that, but if he's saying it, I mean, he's older, so I'm guessing he sees it. And then you think, well, if he thinks it, then everybody thinks it. And luckily, you know, life is crazy and how things happen, but I just kept knocking on doors, and my buddy got this opportunity. I went in there, was calm, cool, collective, like just played like myself and was able to show well. And that's kind of where I want to end this podcast, guys, and um, just really let you know that with everything I said, remember that not every single coach that you play in front of is going to like the way you play. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's the truth. Not every coach likes the way you play, likes your style. Um, some coaches don't like guys who play out of the back, and there's some people who do. And if you're good with your feet, great. And if you're good with your feet and a coach who doesn't like you playing out of the back sees that, they're probably going to be like, oh, okay, that's not my style. Or if you're not that good at crosses, or there's always going to be something. So remember that if one coach doesn't like you, there's going to be tens and thousands of other coaches that are going to love the way you play. You just got to be willing to hear no over and over and over and keep bouncing back. And that's what these trials are all about. You go out there, you have fun, play your style. Because again, it's counterintuitive and counterproductive for you to go out there and try to fit into like this specific model that you think coaches are looking for. Because at the end of the day, you have something in you, that X factor in you that you have that nobody else can provide, nobody else has. Sure, that guy can communicate well. Sure, that, sure I can be a sweeper keeper, but you can do both. You know what I'm saying? So try and understand that, guys, that when you go to these trials, do you, have fun, be loose. If they don't like you, whatever. There's going to be so many people in life who don't like what you have to provide or what you offer, but there's going to be that one person who's going to take a chance on you and your abilities, but you got to be willing to hear no a hundred times so that that 101 time, that person who's still looking and you're still there knocking on doors, that perfect marriage meets and now you guys are together and you guys can end up, you know how I ended up at Davis for four years and I was... I want to say standout, but based on where I was, you know, prior to this whole situation, the way I ended up playing there, four years, I was a starter all four years, goalkeeper of the year, the Big West, the last year, I have the records and saves and shutouts there. So guys, things can switch in the blink of an eye. So make sure that you guys remember these little tips and, you know, techniques and things that you guys can take into your trials, because you never know if you're going to be that next goalkeeper on that coach's list. And if you are, be ready to seize that opportunity, be ready to take it and run with it, because you earned it. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for tuning into all the episodes of the Pro GK podcast. Uh, if you guys like the episode, please do me a huge favor and review it on Apple Podcasts or any platform that allows reviews. It really helps me by moving me up the ranks and making me more noticeable and viewable and findable to newer uh, podcast listeners. So if you guys really liked it, please go ahead and leave a review and a rating as well. Uh, if you guys have any questions about this episode or any previous episodes, go ahead and DM me on Instagram, progkacademy underscore, or send me an email, progkacademy at gmail.com. 
All right, guys, until next time, my name is Omar Zini. We'll see you later. Did with the best, steaming the flex, ass on my chest, no love for the I'll take the bet, love for the check, 40 on deck, mustard and ketchup, cause we got the rest, eating so good. Look at this food, saying the truth, ain't being rude. You stink like cheese, but my cheese is blue. Share with the crew, the guap, the lens, the cloud, the trend, pop the top of bomb.